Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Does It Really Take, a podcast to help you find your dream career. This is part two of our episode with Colby, who is a 911 dispatcher. So if you did not listen to part one, go ahead and go listen to that and then come back over here for part two. For me, when I was first saw your, I first saw you on TikTok, <laughs> like I even like would have considered this. I feel like for me, it would be really hard to not take home work with me mm-hmm. every day. Do you see yourself having that or do you like, was that something maybe you started with and now you've kind of like grown from? So I think when you're first starting out, especially in training, it, it can be really easy to take home especially while you're learning to develop those um, skills. And, but I think the more that you do the job, you just kind of learn to kind of leave things at work. You're not always wondering what happened. You're not always questioning, did I do the right thing? Because you've grown confident in your abilities. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not perfect, but um, you know, sometimes I do go home and I need to vent to my husband or I need to sit in my car for a little while and just kind of, (laughs) just kind of relax and take a break from you know all the stress that happened that day because sometimes it is just a long day of busy calls and callers being rude and yelling at you and um but yeah I would say the longer that you do it in general it doesn't affect you as much so how many calls do you usually get a day and like what does a typical call consist of yeah so my agency, again, I work for a pretty small center. We input about 150 calls for service a day on average, and sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more. During the last week, 4th of July week, I think we were upwards of about 250 calls for service. And we will actually take more you know, physical calls, but not every call becomes a, a call for service. And then as far as what you know putting a call in looks like we have to use a command on our CAD so the computer aided dispatch and we gather you know usually from uh, top to bottom for the call we need to put in like a nature code so what kind of nature is this call regarding so for example is it a domestic is it an assist public which like someone just has a question is it more of like a civil nature and then we need to gather an address caller's name phone number and then we put call comments in so Call comments involve answering the questions to what we call the six W's. So that's who, what, when, where, why, and weapons. So, mm, okay, okay. <laughs> and how, like, growing up, do you feel like this? Because I mean, you've already touched on it, but very high stress. I mean, potentially, mm-hmm. I would imagine quite taxing on your mental health. Have you always been like in, has that always been like within your personality or did that come out a lot during that training? I think um, in some ways I did already have some of that skill developed. I think just doing the jobs that I did growing up, working at busy coffee shops and, you know, having people yell at you over coffee will really kind of humble you. (laughs) And um, (laughs) you just kind of learn to deal with a lot of um, (laughs) not nice stuff from people and also just working at a very busy uh, vet hospital really helped and so but again I do think the training process really just any type of multitasking you did before it really comes out 
<laughs> during, you know, becoming a dispatcher. Yeah, I can imagine. So mm-hmm. how does like your, I know you mentioned it's like a rural community, but how does your, well, I guess, does your work prioritize like mental health? I know you said you're understaffed. Is that because of like high turnover? Um, and like, what does it look like for your employer to be like taking care of you as an employee? Yeah. So as far as why we are understaffed there, there has been a little bit of a turnover. Unfortunately, just not everyone makes it through training. We hired about four people during this academy that we did in January. And unfortunately only one made it through training. So I would say about 25 to maybe 50% of people, if we're lucky, make it through the training process. And then the people who, the people who leave, who do make it through training, either they just realize it wasn't for them. They want to go do, and they want to go into a different career or maybe they are moving. Um, We do live in a pretty um, high traffic, like a high, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We live in a very, um, like a Navy community. So we get a lot of people coming and going for that. Um, and then unfortunately it is, it is a stressful job. And a lot of people don't think it's worth, you know, the, the pay that we get. Cause unfortunately it isn't, <laughs> it doesn't pay a whole lot in, in most places, I would say like, you know, May is the mental health awareness month. And, and my work did post this, you know, information um, about it. We have like a monthly newsletter that we do for our agency and so we do have resources that we can reach out to if we need to. Um, I do think there should always be more advocacy for mental health and there should always be information being um, posted about that, especially for first responders and just anyone in <laughs> a stressful line of work, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, we do have the resources that we need to. But I think in general, most of the time we just end up talking to each other and venting to each other, our coworkers about like a rough call, you know, sometimes the chaplains for like the sheriff's office in my area will reach out to us. If there's like been a really bad call, um, they do what's called like a, um, like a debriefing kind of thing where all the responders will get together and talk about it. And so sometimes we'll be able to go to those things. Very cool. And so necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can help with getting closure too. Yeah. Ugh, I can only imagine. I think that that like for me, I can't even imagine doing it, but I think that that would be something I really would struggle with is the not having closure aspect of things. Yeah. I've actually had a lot of people ask me that on TikTok. Like, how do you, you know, deal with the not knowing? And I think because I live in a, you know, a more rural area where we don't get a huge inc- influx of higher priority calls, but I, I'm, perfectly okay with not knowing every little detail of a call it, it can be a little harder when it's something really tragic like a fatality or you know just something really sad that happens so those mm-hmm. are kind of the calls that I usually like to get more information on but I am fortunate in that those don't happen very often in my area that's great yeah <laughs> um yeah so if you like wanted like if you were in a place where you could move or go to like another city do you know anything about like what that process would look like because I would imagine like you'd want to be in a big city or no maybe (laughs) you know I've, I've actually thought about this often and I don't think well personally for me I like living in a small county I've I was born and raised in western Washington 
And so I've just always lived here. I like living in a small area. I'm not into big cities. <laughs> um, but also dispatching for a large city, I wouldn't, I don't think I would like it because I know bigger agencies, they tend to separate call takers and dispatchers for police, fire, and EMS. And I personally like doing all three. I like being able to rotate every day and do something different. Oh, so that's interesting. So like per shift, do you have like one assigned role or are you doing all three parts every shift? So when I know I mentioned earlier how in a given day, it's usually two to three dispatchers. So from um, 11 p.m. to 11 a.m., we our minimum staffing is two dispatchers. And so, like I said, we have two law consoles that we have to work so the for the police department and for the sheriff's office so therefore those two dispatchers between 7 p.m and 7 or sorry excuse me 11 p.m and 11 a.m have to also share the responsibility of answering the calls as well as dispatching for police and fire or uh, correction i'm sorry fire and ems so once the third dispatcher comes on then that third dispatcher would either take over a law console or they would become the call taker and fire ems dispatcher so it's not necessarily an assigned role we kind of just all talk to each other on the floor and say hey can i have pd for today or you know i'm sick of law today can i have calls (laughs) (laughs) it's not really something that gets assigned to us we just kind of all talk to each other and we're all pretty good about you know, rotating and not, you know, working the same thing every day. That's great. It sounds like you have a really great workplace environment with your coworkers. Yeah, I think I get along pretty great with my coworkers. That's great. I know for me, like that makes work so much easier. Yeah, (laughs) it really makes the day go by faster when you can have fun and laugh and joke around. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned earlier, I found you on um, TikTok. So it seems like you've created really a really cool following doing like day in your lives um, and all of that. Can you just share like what that's been like for you and like how social media has impacted you as um, someone in the workforce? Yeah. So I, I think about a couple months ago, I posted this one random, you know, get ready with me at work for work. <laughs> And it was only like a minute long, but I, I checked it like a couple weeks later because there was some emergency going on with my mom. So I wasn't on TikTok for a while and I saw that, you know, a lot of people really liked it. And I was honestly very surprised. I did not expect anyone to enjoy that type of content. So I just kept doing it. I posted another couple of videos and people seemed to really enjoy it. So I think it's it's really great that people are excited by it. Um, I've heard from other dispatchers who will comment on them saying, you know, this is exactly what people need to see. Like, we need more dispatchers in the world. And I could not agree more. I'm really excited by, you know, seeing some of the comments that I've been getting saying, you know, you're making me interested in this position. You know, I applied to this job because of you and I got it. And it's just super exciting to see those comments because, again, just dispatch centers all over the world are super short staff. So if what I'm doing is making it is raising more awareness for this job and making people interested in the field, then that makes me happy. So <laughs> I love that. And how validating to see like that real world like response in the comments. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of really mean people. I think that's just what happens with TikTok. But over, you know, the majority of the comments have been really positive. So that's encouraging to, you know, want to continue to to do it. Yeah, I saw a couple of those comments. I'm like, oh, my gosh, people have too much time on their hands sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's part of like what makes you really unique, too, is that you are doing this really cool balance of like something that you're passionate about and like integrating it in your work. And I just want to give you like some kudos for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) They're really, honestly, they're really fun to make. (laughs) I really enjoy editing videos. So yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And so final question to wrap things up. A lot of our listeners are middle to high school aged students. Um, What are some things that they could do now to or like skills that they could work on now to set themselves up more appropriately if they wanted to be a 911 dispatcher? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. So I think a lot of people, especially high school age, are a little discouraged or apprehensive at the idea of 911 dispatching, thinking that there's all these courses and all these certifications that I need to get. But in reality, the majority of centers are only looking for a high school diploma or equivalent. They're not looking for, you know, usually they're not looking for college credits, anything like that, any type of certifications. It's usually all on the job training. And so as far as things that they should do now while they're waiting to apply is, you know, get familiar with typing. You know, if you don't feel like you're a confident typer, then just start practicing. There are all sorts of free typing tests online that you can do. Um, But beyond that, I would even, I've just been telling people, you know, watch TV or listen to a radio station and type what you're hearing them say, because that way you get more familiar with conversational type typing, because that's really what you need for, you know, when you're a Dime One dispatcher having to come, you know, type what people are saying to you on the phone, just increasing your typing skills, your speed. And then from there, once you're 18, usually you can apply at most 911 centers and then it's usually just all on the job training. You know, I've been telling a lot of people go on Google, do a lot of research on what questions to ask during the 911 interview process. There's a lot of great information on there. There's a lot of 911 dispatchers on YouTube who have some great videos on, you know, the interview process and what the training process is like, um, how to pass the critical. Yeah, there's a lot of great resources out there for people who are interested in this field. Awesome. Thank you for some like actionable tips. (laughs) (laughs) No, especially that one, like typing conversations. That is really like a different skill than being able to type up an essay quickly. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's also teaching you or just developing that skill of listening and typing. You're kind of doing two things at the same time. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Awesome. And then if somebody wanted to find out more about 911 dispatching or wanted to find more from you, where could they find you? (laughs) So I am on, I mainly am on TikTok. My username is Hurricane Kolbs. Um, I'm also just on my first name there, Colby, it's C-O-L-B-Y. And I'm also on Instagram. I don't really post there as much. I'm under colors by Kolbs on Instagram. Um, and I'm pretty responsive to, I've been getting some messages. So I'm, I respond to every, you know, direct message that I get from people asking about becoming an I1 dispatcher. Um, but yeah, 
hopefully that helps <laughs> thank you so much for listening to part two of our episode with colby lots of really great advice in this episode if being a 911 dispatcher was something that you were interested in if you liked what you heard please consider giving this podcast a five-star rating have an amazing day thanks bye